This is episode 344 of the Photo Biz Exposed podcast, and this is a special episode recorded for Project Recapture, which has been set up to help support families who have lost their homes and photographs as a result of the fires, and also for the volunteers who have contributed weeks of their lives away from family to fight the fires currently ravaging Australia. Although the focus is still on the business of photography, this was a chance to talk with Catherine Williams from New Zealand, who lost not one, but two studios to the dreadful earthquakes, which shook Christchurch back in 2010, 2011. I hope you enjoy her story, hearing about her business, and I hope it gives you hope if you've been affected by the fires in Australia. And if not, my wish is that Catherine's story inspires you to use your skills or what you have available to you to help those affected by the fires here in Australia by getting involved with Project Recapture. And you can learn more about that at projectrecapture.com.au. Let's get into this and I'll introduce Catherine. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Oh, and one more quick thing before we jump into the interview. Normally, these interviews go off to be edited, the audio gets tidied up. I pull out the ums and ahs from the guest and from myself. We try and do our best to make the podcast audio as polished as possible. But in this case, the plan, the aim was to get this interview to you and to Karen for the Project Recapture website as soon as possible. So this is raw, unedited, and coming straight to you as I heard it from Catherine. I hope you enjoy it. In light of the dreadful bushfires ravaging Australia at the moment, a beautiful project has been launched by photographer Karen Alsop in conjunction with the AIPP, the Heart Project, Mark Rosetto Coaching and other generous sponsors. Project Recapture has been set up so photographers can help support families who have lost their homes and photographs as a result of the fires and also help the volunteers who have contributed weeks of their lives away from family to fight these fires. Amongst all the loss and devastation, there has to be hope. Hope for the photographers in business who have potentially lost equipment, studios, clients, and their way to make a living and support their families. And although it's too soon to talk about regeneration with the Aussie fire victims, we can draw parallels with today's guest, Catherine Williams from New Zealand. Catherine is a wedding portrait and commercial photographer based in Christchurch, she lost everything when her studio was brought to the ground by an earthquake in 2011. This interview is a chance to look at how things are now, nine years on, and I'm wrapped to have Catherine with us now. Catherine, welcome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for having me here. It's, it's my pleasure. Was that too dramatic to describe your, your studio as being brought to the ground? It's, it's slightly too dramatic. I mean, I certainly think in, in Christchurch during those earthquakes, there were photographers that were uh, far far worse off than us. Um, they lost both their homes and their studios uh, during those earthquakes. Uh, but our studio was, was completely flawed. Um, the people within the building that day did have to crawl out. 
and uh, nobody other than firefighters were to return into that building. What, so what did, was this a, a multi-level building? Like, what, Describe your studio, where it was and what happened on that day. Yeah, our studio was in a beautiful heritage building, a very old building, over 100 years old, in Cathedral Square. So that's right in the very heart of the city. Uh, we were up on the first level. Um, we had around about 100 square metres in there. And uh, we'd actually only been in there for quite a short amount of time. That was our second studio. The, the previous studio, which was in another heritage building, was actually floored in the September earthquake. So we had just um, six months prior, we had another earthquake that took out that first studio. And then we upped our game, um, increased both our floor space, our presence, our position in the city. And then that one was, was taken out at that time. So you lost two studios <laughs> in the space of six months. Yeah, so, I know it sounds crazy. The, the The very first studio we had, it was a very modest studio. Uh, it was a studio that we shared with another photographer. And um, I, I think at the time that, that that fell, we did get back into that building. And it's something that I look back with uh, a little bit of trepidation, thinking that we actually re-entered that space. It was quite dangerous when we went back in and we carried carried the gear out, not thinking too much of it. And that was sort of before we learnt truly the shaky ground that we were on in Christchurch. Um, then we moved into our new studio, which was a really beautiful uh, renovated space in the Heritage Building, reset up there, um, you know, turned it into something, a space that we were proud of to, to bring clients into it was something that we balanced with working from our home office and working from our studio space in the city. And that was really our saving grace that we had the balance of our home office along with our city studio. In what way? Because you weren't in the building when it fell or why do you yeah, say that? I think a little bit of both really. So I wasn't in the building when it fell um, and that day Every day was booked in the in the studio that week, and then I had a client uh, cancel, and so I was at home. I was at home with my family, and um, the the earthquake in, in February that was a a six point three, which is not um, super high on the magnitude, but it was very deadly. It took one hundred and eighty five people, and it was a very focused energy. So. Um, you know, the devastation was, was 10 seconds. It was short and sharp. And in my home, I live 45 minutes away from the city and it barely spilt my cup of tea. It was, um, but I certainly had a sense that something significant had happened. Um, yeah, so, and I guess in combination with that, we'd been, you know, very prudent with our backup system over time and that ensured that we didn't have any workflow interruption. And I think that was, you know, the other real saving grace to, to ensure that we had um, backups in both sites. We always kept work in both sites. For sure. And that kept, kept everything running. So from a client perspective, um, we were able to just continue serving, um, you know. I mean, obviously, the, the landscape changed significantly in terms of how we served clients but we were able to look after all of our clients without any loss and any work nice okay let, you've said we a couple of times so who's who's the other part uh, the other party involved 
Yeah, so um, I have the business with my husband, Neil. Um, so we have been in business since 2006, yeah, 2006. And um, our, our home has always been uh, solely photography, you know, solely uh, photographic income. Um, and I have been a photographer for my whole life. So, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, you, so I imagine, like most photographers, well, I'm guessing, like most photographers, you might have started from home and then you moved into the studio in Christchurch, this first studio, this, this, uh, the smaller studio. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, at that time, you're in that smaller studio. Was that still 2011 when the first earthquake hit? That was 2010. Okay. So, 2010. Uh-huh. Let me take you back to that time. You're in that that first studio you're working together with neil uh was business good at that time business business was good um i think in terms of uh business was certainly picking up we were shooting so our our business at that time was predominantly a wedding business um we did also we did portraits and we did commercial work as well so we had a few regular commercial clients that we were looking after um Shooting in between 30 and 50 weddings a year was quite standard for us. And um, that first earthquake was absolutely huge at home for us. So it was a 7.8 magnitude, which is massive. And we were much closer to um, the epicenter of that earthquake. So we were quite literally thrown out of bed. And, uh, And we actually had a wedding to shoot that day. So it happened at 4.35 in the morning. And around 10 in the morning, we were out shooting a wedding. Right, so where was all your equipment? Was it, in, it was in the studio? The equipment from the, the first studio, the equipment was at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so did you even have a chance to go down and look at the studio at that point or you just had to go to the wedding? No, we just had to go to the wedding. I, I had really young children as well. So my children were one and three at the time. And... Um, Typically on a wedding, Neil, my husband and I, we didn't work together usually. We had contract photographers um, so that we could run two teams of photographers. And that day was the one wedding that season that we were working together. So I reluctantly had to leave my children with a friend um, after going through that. And the wedding was, it was an indoor wedding. It was meant to be an indoor wedding in a heritage building. Uh, It was taken out to the lawn. And there was no running water. Um, <laughs> it was just the most, it was the most strange um, circumstance to be in because there was aftershocks around magnitude five throughout the day. Wow. And um, so there was a huge amount of uncertainty. And, um, you know, there were, I think with, with that uncertainty, though, it, there is a rise in, um, there's a rise in the empathy that surrounds people in all circumstances. Mm. And so you could feel that right from the start. Um, even just driving into the city, you know, driving in and there's cracks running through motorways um, in the, you know, cracks in the roads, there's holes in the road. And you really just do not know what you're getting into. It is not business as usual at all. Right, so when did you first get a chance to go and see the studio after this wedding? It wasn't until, I, to be honest, I think what happens is you uh, retreat first and you retreat a little bit into your family and um, knowing that you're okay and, you know, your immediate family's okay, your parents are okay and all of those things. So that was sort of the first 
the first thought for me was not about the studio at all. Um, and like I say, we didn't have all the, the all the gear at the studio at that time. It was quite a basic studio. So I just went to see it um, a couple of days afterwards. Right. Um, and, yeah, and, I, and it was pretty clear from the outset. And we couldn't actually get into it straight away. We just, um, we literally just gained enough access to get the stuff out and that was it. Right. And were you paying a lease or did you, uh, were you, did you own that studio space? Uh, we were paying a lease. Okay, so wasn't it wasn't a massive interruption to life? I mean, as bad as it was, it, it wasn't it wasn't devastating. It doesn't sound like anyway. No, no, not at all. And um, and that so that particular space, that first space, we shared with another photographer as well. So it was a share space. It wasn't devastating. Um, I think more. It was more the emotional, you know, the emotional uncertainty sure. more than anything. So how long after that, Catherine, was it? until you and Neil went into the new studio? It was two months. Oh, wow. So pretty quick. Okay, so the new studio, and it sounds it sounds amazing. Um, was that a lease as well? That was a lease as well, yeah. Okay, so you, you would, I imagine you have equipment insurance. Is that the only kind of insurance? And then I guess income protection? What, what kind of insurance did you have in place before that 2011 earthquake? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess of all the obvious um, insurances, so absolutely equipment insurance. Um, we did have some business interruption insurance. Um, Is that the same as uh, income protection? Uh, it's similar. I mean, it, it, direct, it relates directly to, well, I'm not, not very good on, the, um, on reading the fine print on my insurance. Not me I'll either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it basically, if you have costs relating to things such as moving from one place to another, um, not being able to gain access to the site, um, things like that, that's what it covers. Right. Okay, so you've got that in place, you've got equipment insurance, and and it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys put your heart and soul into this new studio. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely put our heart and soul. So just it. describe that studio. Is it a shooting space? Is it office space? Is there, what's in it? Is it computers, camera gear? So in that space, um, it was set up to be a, um, you know, a really big shooting space. Um, along with a client meeting area and and um, computers as well. Um, it wasn't really, it was a very open plan, so it wasn't set up to be a permanent office space at all. Um, we still had the home office as well. Right, and then did you, like in Australia here, we would take out, or I did, for example, took out a three-year lease with a three-year option. Did you do something similar? Yeah, I, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. I think it would have been something like um, either 2 plus 2 plus 2 or 3 plus 3 plus 3. Right. Something along those lines. Okay. And, and at that time, I think um, that was quite standard terms. Um, you know, you could you could quite easily get a two-year lease. Mm-hmm. Where that did change down the track. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm interested to hear how that changed, but let's fast forward to the actual day of the earthquake, the second earthquake. Where where were you? What was in the studio at that time as compared to the first incident? Yeah. So um, in the studio at that time, um, we had around about $60,000 worth of equipment in there at that time. So um, lights, you know, all the general studio stuff. Um, we had computers, um, just uh, like sort of, um, fixtures for for client meetings. So we had show, you know, albums, um, 
frames, all those sorts of things. Camera gear, we still kept at home. Um, and that was just, you know, geographically, we live 45 minutes from the city. And a lot of our shooting, we don't need to go from city to a session. We can go from home to, to shoot from there. Right. So it always it always made more sense to have the majority of our camera gear with us. Right, okay. And, and how how well was business going when you moved into this new studio and had, you know, had that, well, I guess it was a year to sort of to work on things and build up and have this new space. Was business still improving? Yeah, I mean, the, so the new space, we were only in it for three months. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Okay. So, I, so business was still running along as normal. Business was taking along as normal, yeah. All right. So you've got happy clients. Everything's good. Business is ticking along. You've got the new premises. It's fit out the way you want it. And uh, it's looking fancy. It sounds like you were so passionate about it. When, when did you hear about the actual earthquake? Well, like what time of day and where were you? Uh, it was lunchtime. Um, so I was at home. I was working. Um, my husband was actually outside with the kids and he didn't even know an earthquake happened. He couldn't feel it. Um, yeah. And it just literally just spilt my cup of tea. And, but I had a sense I had that, you know, you get that sixth sense that something is truly not right. So I, and at that stage, you know, we had had quite a few little shakes, so you didn't kind of react. Every time there was a shake, you didn't go, oh, there must be something major that's happened. But I just knew that something wasn't quite right. Yeah, and, and I think that's the first thing that, that springs into your mind. It's not, about, it's not about your working space. It's about people. And that is 100% the first thing you think of. And then, you know, you, we've, we went onto the, onto the media and you, know, you just see the... The devastation that's hit and and you just think about the people and what they're going through and and because of where we lived um our house barely got affected and you almost go through this feeling of um it's almost like a strange feeling of guilt that you're not that you're not there because that's your community you know my community was in that city and there i was at home um you know very grateful to be at home um, but you could, you know, you're literally just feeling the pain of your community that, that's right in front of your eyes. Mm. So were you were you tuned into the TV, the radio? How were you uh, online? How were you following what was going on? Yeah, um, I mean, a, a bit of both, and um, and eventually I got to the stage where I just had to turn the TV off because I started worrying about how it might affect the kids, even though my kids were very little. Um, it does, I think, that fear perpetuates fear. And um, and I, it doesn't mean that I think that we should be ignorant of what's going on. I just think that, you know, we have to be very uh, mindful of, of what we give our energy to. And, um, you know, it's much more beneficial to give your energy to helping people than, than just to look at everything that is that is going wrong. Um in, in Christchurch, there was, and I, I think the beauty of community has really risen from Christchurch and there was, you know, there was student armies that came in to, to help people. Um, we had a huge amount of liquefaction in Christchurch. Um, a huge amount of what? Liquefaction. Um, and I guess the, I don't know the specific geological uh, definition for it, but basically the 
the ground turns to liquid. Oh, okay, right. I think I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so people were literally sinking. Oh, jeez. Um, in, in the ground, and things were literally like homes actually were sinking into the ground, and so entire backyards were were just sinking. Um, and this was huge. It wasn't just a couple of places and a couple of suburbs. There's there's entire suburbs that will never be re- rebuilt on because the whole suburb was basically affected by liquefaction. Wow. So, <laughs> were those were those people? And this is a little bit of a sidetrack. Were they are they covered by insurance if they did have insurance? Oh, insurance was was incredibly complex here, and. Um, and some people have done really, really well from earthquakes with insurance and literally ended up with, you know, another full house in, in value um, to their to their assets. And then some people have, have really struggled. You know, it, it certainly was covered. If you were covered if you were covered by insurance, then then you would have received a payout from that. Right. Um, but some people waited for, you know, a desperately long time to to receive um, a, a resolution sure. from their insurance. Sure. I promise for the listener, this is a good, this is a, this is a, um, a heartwarming interview and there's, there's going to be a great ending to this, I promise. But I'm curious to know, Catherine, when did you and Neil first get into town to see the studio? Not until it was demolished. So basically what happened in Christchurch is, is um, there was the, like, there was, buildings were red zoned and then there were cordons that were placed around the city centre. And our, our building was right in the heart of the city. And uh, we couldn't actually even see it. We couldn't see the exterior of it. We couldn't see it at all. Oh, that you couldn't um, get access. They wouldn't let you in. No, you weren't, we, weren't allowed, we weren't even allowed past the cordon, right. let alone into the building. And, and it was pretty unsafe in there. And it got to the stage where it was also really... Um, filthy as well um because what happened is you know the the town the city center was just left as as it was so you know it was lunchtime people were out having lunch and um you know restaurants were in in busy kitchen mode now everybody just left the city and all those things they just remained there so Mm. the the city became quite dirty and you know, there were there were rodent issues and all sorts of all wow. sorts of things. All so things you don't first it didn't think of. A place where you wanted to go back into it. Um, we actually took the opportunity to to take a, a trip to England for six weeks in in the June. So we're talking, what's that like? Um, four five months later. And um, when we were in England, I received a phone call from our insurers saying that they were that the um, the building was was now set to be demolished and that we could gain access to it um, on this particular date. And, and I said, and I'd actually talked to a firefighter who'd been in the building and he had told me that even if, even if we could get in, that he would advise us not to because it had been... Um, open to the weather, to the elements. Um, it was mouldy and everything in there was damaged. And so I had said to the insurers that um, I was away overseas and that I didn't wish to go in because it was unsafe. 
And so they said, maybe you could send a family member in. And I said, oh, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sending a family member in. If you want to go in there, then you go for it and see what you can get. What, do, they, do they want you to recover as much as you can to minimize the payout? Is that what they were yeah, thinking? Yeah, totally. And, and my insurers were amazing. And I think that they just um, they just tried that to see what would happen. Wow. And I just said, you know, you go for it if you want to if you want to if you want to recover some things. That's absolutely no problem. But I'm not going to put my family or my friends at risk and ask them to do that. No. So I imagine then, and I think you alluded to this earlier, Catherine, that you had offsite backups for all your files. You didn't need to access hard drives or anything like that. No. No, not at all. Wow, you would have been um, thinking that you had uh, great <laughs> systems in place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, um, after for, for years after that happened, we ended up, because there was so much uncertainty around earthquakes for, for many years, we actually started um, sending another copy up to, up to um, Auckland so that we had a completely different, well, I, I don't even want to have a, another a backup that's just in this area. I want to have a, a full offsite backup. So we have, we have a very solid backup system now. I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, so what happened in, that, in, in the four months or so before you went to the UK? Uh, I imagine you still had bookings, you had weddings, uh, possibly commercial shoots scheduled. Did they all still go ahead? Um, all the weddings did. Um, commercial shoots, no. We had a massive drop in, in um, commercial work. Um, weddings went ahead. They were often, you know, things changed for people. And I think a lot of it was mindset changed. I, I remember having a conversation with a bride uh, and she said that she knew nothing about what was going to happen with her wedding day. Her wedding dress was in the city behind the cordon. But she said it, it just, just didn't matter anymore, that she was happy to get married in jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> That's nice. And, and that was really the general feeling of people was that it was about sort of doubling down on family and, and that time and, and actually recognizing what's important in life. Sure. I love that. So I, I imagine from the business side of things, your revenue would have taken a big hit. It has to. It, yeah, so initially it did. Um, and, and I think, you know, I looked back at the figures um, so that I could really get a feel for, for um, what I was going to share with people. And initially it did take a hit um, because the, the earthquake, the Christchurch earthquake was in February. We did have a, a good number of bookings um, at that time um, already. So those went ahead. So we still had... You know, we still had a reasonable amount of revenue. Where we did um, start to make a loss were, was in those months. Um, so sort of May, um, April, May were really uh, not looking healthy. Uh, and, and also initially there was a, a period where we weren't taking many bookings as well. So there was a certain period of, of real uncertainty around where we were headed next and, and you know, what could we forecast um, to anticipate our, our income would be. Right. So at that, had you taken any money from the insurance company to get by at this point? No. Um, we got the payout, and I actually can't remember the date of the payout. Um, and interestingly, I mean, the insurers were actually amazing. Um, they were, you know, we didn't have any problems with, with getting the payout. I do think it probably wasn't until... 
until June. I think it was when after the building was demolished that we would have received the payout. Right. So if you, I don't know what position you were in as far as a mortgage and mortgage repayments go, but were banks putting your mortgage repayments on hold and if not for you, for other people that were affected? That's a really interesting question. I don't, I don't know the answer. We didn't... Um, we do have a mortgage and um, we didn't need it to be put on hold. But I think there was um, probably some, some. I'd like to think there'd yes. be some empathy around that. <laughs> I'd hope so. Yeah. So, so at that point in, and in that lead up to your trip uh, to the UK, were you and Neil, were you contemplating getting out of photography, taking regular jobs? Was that ever crossing your mind? <laughs> I would never take a regular job. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> oh my gosh! I've been—I mean, I've been a photographer since. Oh gosh, you know, I was fifteen when I knew this. What I was, and I'm forty-three now. I was fifteen, and I knew this is what I would do. Right. Okay. Um, so there was no option. There was going to be photography all the way. It was just a matter of going again. Yeah, damn straight. I will always find a way. <laughs> <laughs> so you get back from the UK. What's what do you do to start? I mean, are you, you're not really starting again, are you? Because as a wedding photographer, you have bookings. You can still, I guess, you can still see clients at at your home, at their home, at a cafe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we were really lucky. A, a friend of ours said um, she had a studio which is um, about thirty minutes north of the city, and it's actually closer to where we live. And so she let us use that on a on an as needed basis. Um, so we we started using that, and um, and you know, that came a great place to you know to as as a as an interim uh, solution for us. I didn't see it as a long term solution. Uh, we started looking at buying a building um, in, in Christchurch, but we just came up with so many hurdles in, in buying a building um, at that time. You had it didn't matter what the building was; you had to have an engineer's report. Um, to to get insurance and obviously no insurance you know you can't be buying a building without insurance and certainly the bank's not gonna gonna give you any help either mm. um, the engineers report uh, we did look we, we tried to get an engineer on one building and we were told there was a one and a half year waiting list oh, wow okay um, so, leasing so we, big- just, we just parked the idea right and, and thought well the time's just not right and then our friend um, had decided that she wanted out of her lease, and so we took um, took her lease over for two years. Oh, perfect! Yeah. And did you have to renegotiate with the owner of the building, and did they put the price up because real estate was uh, not readily or easily available? It was actually crazy what was happening to real estate in, in Christchurch. So rents were pretty much tripling, oh, tripling um, in some areas. Um, and also the lease terms were, were so long. So it was not unusual to, to have a six or eight year lease terms. Wow. Um, That's so a to big get commitment. two years, you know, it wasn't a flash, it was not a flash studio. It was, you know, I didn't really like it, but I just had to accept that that's, that's a space that we were able to, to have at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't make a difference at that time. It didn't make any difference to to what what was happening with business. Oh, you mean was, you mean having the the space that you weren't as excited about didn't affect how well business was going? No, no, business business started to really boom. It, um, it boomed. Yeah. Why Why do you think it boomed? 
I think it boomed because I think that suddenly people really understood uh, why they needed photography in their life, and and they reevaluated their they reevaluated their priorities. So you know, so often in a, in a normal day to day society, we hear people saying that you know they need a new washing machine or they they want this, you know, they want a new car or they want things that. You know, these are just all things that often don't really matter. And people started to think, actually, I, I want photography, you know, because my family are important to me. The person that I'm marrying is important to me. Um, we saw an increase in the number of weddings that we were photograph right. photographing. And we also saw an increase in the average sale as well. Okay, so just a couple of things here, Catherine. Do you think more people were getting married or more people were just booking uh, higher-end photographers? Um, I think there's a, probably a little bit of both. I think there was a spike in people who who had maybe been together for a long time and not thought about getting married, you know, getting married because of finances. And I think those people suddenly were like, right, let's just do it. So right. I think there was a mindset shift. Um, but I do think that people maybe thought a little bit more about the outcome that they wanted and, you know, and, and then maybe had someone that, you know, they felt would do the service um, in the way that, that they really wanted. Sure. Did you or did you see other photographers uh, attempting to capitalise on the, on the feelings or the thoughts that were going through people's heads? Like, did you run ads saying, did you lose all your family photographs? This is a time to recreate those, to capture those. No, um, we didn't. And I, I think there's, I think something like that has to be done with enormous sensitivity. Um, well, I mean, what really happened here was there were people who lost so much and there were people who gained so much as well. So we saw a real change in people who were tradesmen, um, they were often doing really, really well, exceptionally well. I mean, businesses grew enormously as a result of the earthquakes. And I think that's a natural flow on for anything that requires regeneration is always going to create revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so people were doing really well out of it. And some people were just devastated both, you know, both by losing a home, but different people deal with situations differently as well. So I think, you know, really having conversations with people became really important. And I think um, one of the things that we found really beneficial was just to get on the phone to clients and saying, hey, we're thinking of you. Are you okay? Um, and that is without asking for a sale. That's without saying, you know, we're thinking of you. Um, do you need some photography? We never took that approach. Um, it was simply just staying connected. And so Are you um, talking about calling past clients so you've done family portrait sessions for or weddings? It depended. I mean, there were clients who were past clients within the, the immediate um, past. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, and clients, all the upcoming clients, we called, you know, we called and had right. conversations with and made sure everybody was okay. Um, okay. So so um, in your experience, did those clients, the upcoming shoots that you had booked in, if they had been affected by the earthquakes, which it sounds like most people were, they were more likely to spend more on their photography having been through that experience. Yeah, and it was a really interesting one. Um, you know, to, I'll give 
one example, we had um, clients that were booked on on our bottom, our absolute bottom tier package, um, which at the time, from memory, was around uh, maybe two thousand five hundred to three thousand um, dollars. It was it was like three hours of three hours of wedding photography. And um, they came in as $15,000 clients in the end. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so, you, yes, so your yeah, business yeah. was a little bit like the tradesman. I mean, you, you were doing well out of We what? were definitely doing well out of it. But, you know, I, I believe that the earnings we make are a direct reflection of the way which we are serving society and serving the community. Um, so... What this, you know, a disaster provides an opportunity for a photographer is not to capitalise on or take advantage of, but to serve people in a way that maybe they didn't think about, they they didn't think they needed it as much as, as they did when this situation happened, if that makes sense. Mm, it really does. puts a spotlight on people to reevaluate their life and their values and and really think about, where they want their money to be directed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying and I, yeah, I, mean, I, I can, I, can, I empathize with the, with the victims, but it feels, I, I feel dirty even asking you the question, did you, or uh, did you capitalize on the earthquake? I mean, it sounds terrible, but business obviously went well after it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. And I think it does. It sounds awful. It too. does. To even think about the idea of capitalizing. Yes, I think I think it's that word that makes it feel so terrible. So, yeah. can you do you remember or do you have an idea of what your revenue, your turnover was, you know, at that time? Um, so the so basically six months after the earthquake, um, for a period of eighteen months, we were um, consistently doing at least thirty thousand um, dollars. So I know that. That, that financial year, so the 2011 to 2012 financial year, um, we cleared just over 400000 Wow. Okay, so business is really good. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, business is really good. And then if I'm guessing that things settled down, they've, that they returned a little bit more to normal as time's gone on. So if we fast forward, you know, nine years to today, is business still good? Yeah, absolutely. Business is great. I mean, you know, we've taken a massive shift in our business. We're not predominantly wedding photographers anymore. Uh, we are predominantly portrait photographers now. Um, and we are in a beautiful, bigger space that I'm very proud of. And they <laughs> earthquake strengthened heritage building. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy this one or lease it? No, we still haven't managed to buy it. It just, it, it, it's, it's, it's easier to buy space now, but um, it became really complex, and I just love this space too much. I've asked the owner several times if I can buy it from them, but <laughs> I don't think I could afford it anyway. <laughs> and is your is your turnover today anything like what it was, uh, you know, in that six twelve months after the after the earthquake? It's it's similar. Um, That's you know, awesome. I think certainly we have uh, during that period of um, uncertainty which was directly after the, the big Christchurch earthquake, we took the time to reevaluate a lot of expenses 
and I think that's something that we should all do when we have these these um, drops. Is that business um, or personal expenses? Um, no, business expenses. Oh, so just like really evaluating, um, you know, how can how can I manage the costs of my business better? Where can I become more profitable? Um, you know, and just even evaluating, looking at your pricing structures and say, you know, where am I capping my sales and and what areas can I make it possible to for added value, which people are obviously going to, to pay for, um, and, and, you know, just really, really assessing those things. Can I you, think it's a, it's a good time to look at that. For sure. Catherine, can you give me an example of one of these cuts that you made that affected the business in a positive way? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we're obviously going back to 2011. So I think it would be hard for me to draw on a specific example from that time. But I can tell you that um, two years ago, I took quite a lot of time out of the business and the cuts that I looked at that at that time were things like um, software, or and um, you know any any sort of provider, any sort of um, external provider, just reevaluating those, looking at things like you know if you're shipping um, things, you know looking at your shipping providers. Oh, so just lots of little things that are going to have a, a add up to a, a larger number at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you can increase your profit margin by even 1% or 2% increase in your profit margin, it does make it a lot of difference to your pocket. Yeah, especially, yeah, with those with those numbers that you were talking about. Um, wh- why did you have time off a year? Did you say a year or two ago, two years ago? Yeah, uh, 2017, I had a, a pretty major injury. Um, I managed to uh, <laughs> fracture my back and then I ended up with a spinal infection. So, oh gosh! What, how did you fracture your back? Oh, I was on a I was on a food shoot, and um, and interestingly, this and I guess like one of my I'm, I'm just going to sort of sideline a little bit for a second, but I was doing a project with a woman who um, was writing a book, and it was actually based around the earthquakes. And I think you know, for people in Australia, there's going to be opportunities that come from this. Um, this disaster that you haven't actually, you couldn't even contemplate yet. And this woman, she was writing a book that was about paying it forward. And so there was the Kaikoura earthquake and uh, that was actually a 7.8 magnitude earthquake um, that happened. Luckily the epicenter was sort of um, in a, a fairly unpopulated area. And it cut the township of Kaikoura off from the main state highway in New Zealand for for about a year. And um, and she actually flew in. She actually arranged support. And she's just, you know, she runs a catering business, amazing woman. And so she was doing this project, and it was a book about people who had been affected in the Christchurch earthquake who then decided to pay it forward in the Kaikoura earthquake and help people through many different ways. So these were things like, um, you know, the great Richie McCaw, who's who's um, a much respected New Zealand um, rugby ex rugby player, ex All Black, mm-hmm. um, flying in flying in support and aid into the Kaikoura region. So we travelled into Kaikoura several times, and and um, and the book included. Um, food and portraits of people and their stories and so I think you know this 
it, it's a time of, of collective and collaborative projects that you just will not be able to even imagine are happening yet. Um, so I was in Kaikoura on this food shoot, so coming back to that. Yeah. And um, we had a very large oak table in the back of her van that we were going to be setting up on the on the um, beach side. And uh, I just grabbed it out of the back of the van with her. And as I pulled it out, I twisted at the same time. And I sort of thought, oh, that doesn't feel so good, but I think I'm, I think I'm okay. And it went from not feeling so good into to I can't actually get up. Um, oh. And then I had, I ended up shooting two weddings with what was what ended up being a fractured L five vertebrae. Gosh, wow! On um, copious amounts of drugs, which <laughs> is not something I like to do at all, but. Um, yeah, so so that's what happened, and um, it took quite a long time to work out what was going on. But you know, we came to a came to a um, a finding in the end that that was what what had happened. So you you take time out, but I imagine Neil is still working and uh, you know keeping the business going. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually took ten months off from that injury. I had a really I had a really tough time um, getting back on my feet. Um, but, you know, I dug deep, <laughs> found some resilience. But as a result of that, I mean, I, I think these things can be catalysts for something bigger and something better in our, in our lives and something more exciting. And um, and the catalyst, uh, that catalyst for me was uh, we decided to go away for seven months. So we took a sabbatical in 2018 and did a, a trip, um, a, a very exciting trip around about 17 or 18 countries um, for seven months. So we took our kids out of school and did that. And, and so uh, hang on. So, and you've got a small business. So was someone else shooting for you or you literally closed down for seven months? No, we didn't close down. Um, we, uh, so I believe very much that when, when if you really want something, you know, you have to a hundred percent believe and know that you can make it happen and, and you'll make it happen. So I didn't really you know, when we decided we were gonna do this trip, we didn't have, you know, the abundance of savings that we needed to to do it. But I was absolutely determined that, that this is what was gonna happen. Um and another photographer, another local photographer who's a good friend she um we had a, a chat over a coffee one day and and um she was potentially looking for to to move into a different studio space and and i said to her you know why don't you come and share with us um for a bit and um she said oh yeah that'll be you know that'll be a that'll be quite nice and so she came in for a couple of days a week at first um and then we just juggled our, our shooting uh, our client schedules so that we had certain days um, and then when we were going away, I said, you know, how do you feel about, you know, splitting the, splitting the studio with us? And, and she said, yep, perfect timing. Let's do it. So that coincided with the month that we left. Um, and so we still, you know, we still had half the lease to manage and half of those, you know, um, operating expenses as well. Um, and then we had uh, some photographers do some, basically do some subcontract work for us. So we brought on a client coordinator. Uh, so she basically managed our leads. 
that we would bring in. She would um, make the phone calls, um, you know, book up, book up shoots and things like that, um, book all those sessions, do all the emailing. And so that we still had um, a, a handful of clients coming in. Nice. So we kept it running at a really low level. And so our goal was not to make a massive, was not to make a massive profit over that time. I was happy to break even and, um, and we made a tiny profit, um, but it was, it was enough to, to manage, to manage things. And we, and we rented out our home over that period of time so right. that we didn't have any expenses back in New Zealand. It was all taken care of. Oh, well, that's, I mean, if you get, if as, as a working photographer with a small business, if you can take both of you out and have the family on a, a seven month holiday and still, uh, break even, that's amazing. Like that's a dream <laughs> for so many photography studio owners. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, it's a doable dream. I mean, yeah, you just have to. I think. I think a lot of it is just, you know, just believing that it can happen. For sure. Um, I, look, I think we we have to get you back on, Catherine, to talk marketing and business because it sounds like you you and Neil have created something incredible over there in New Zealand. In, in what I'm sure is a tough market, you seem to be thriving from from strength to strength. Let's talk about that when we get when we finish this interview. What about for the photographers? in Australia who are just hearing about this project recapture, um, what would you say to them that, uh, that, you know, maybe they're thinking about helping or wondering what they can do to help? Gosh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, my heart absolutely reaches out to you. And, and I, I, I just think um, for the international, I know you have a lot of um, international listeners all over the world, and to give a sense of the magnitude of this, I live in New Zealand and over 2,000 kilometres away and we have had many days of smoky skies, many days of haze and, and um, you know, I think the we are just thinking of you guys in Australia, truly, hand on heart, I think of you guys every day and I know that there's so many people. Um, and so I think this is the time to, to really think about our collective power, um, our collective power. And I know, you know, we are talking, we're talking photography business, but I think collective power in terms of, you know, the environment, the wildlife, everything that is going on in Australia, um, I think requires that. Um, but I think also for your communities and your business, I think it's a time of collaboration and, you know, Karen, wow, what a mm. what an amazing person! Uh, I know what it's like to to do these volunteer projects and roles, and I know the passion and time and energy that goes into it. Um, so I think for the photographers out there who are thinking about getting involved, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to go full steam ahead, and sometimes it can just be one thing. You know, just do one thing. And that one thing can make a difference to one person. And that is enough. And if you can do more, then, you know, do more. Um, and I think just be, you know, be mindful that that you are giving um, because you want to give. Um, but don't starve yourself, um, you know, during that course of giving. Make, make sure that you have, you know, this is a time that you will need to, maybe audit your self-care as well 
And, you know, if you've been directly affected, then you've got to really have a look at, um, you know, make sure you're taking care of your physical and, and mm. emotional and health and all those things as well. I think that's it's so pivotal when things like this happen. That's so um, true. Yeah, and on the, on the topic of helping and uh, no matter where you are as a photographer who, who's here in this interview, whether or not you're, you're based in Australia, maybe you have been directly affected or you know someone that has, or maybe you're overseas and seeing it on the news, uh, that the things that you can do can be as little as restoring someone's photo, someone's family photo. Uh, if you're in Australia, it could be as simple as loaning a camera or some equipment to a photographer that's been affected. Uh, it could be shooting a headshot if you're in a position to do that. It could even be providing some images to go up for sale on the website uh, where the proceeds can go to, to the victims. So there's so many little things you can do. It doesn't have to be you know, providing photographic services. And uh, there's all the details are over there at Project Recapture. .com.au. I know Karen would love to have your help if you if you have any time or any skills that you can that you can give to to the uh, cause. So it's projectrecapture.com. Um, Catherine, just before I let you go, where, where and you've been amazing, and I want to say massive thanks for sharing everything you have. Um, like I said, I'm going to twist your arm for a follow up interview uh, for PhotoBizX listeners because I'd love to hear more about your business. And I know they would too. But where is the best place for listeners to check out you and your work? Yeah, so you can find me. So my uh, my um, portrait wedding commercial business. You can find me at tandemphotography.co.nz. Um, or on obviously Facebook and Instagram. Um, also, you can find my passion work is at katherinewilliams.co.nz and that is um, environmental portraits and documentary photography and um, also my Being Human at 100 project. I would really love it if you came along and had a wee peek at that as well. Nice. Well, it's interesting you mentioned uh, your your website here, katherinewilliams.co.nz, because this is the first URL that Karen sent me when she was uh, helping to set this interview up. And uh, she, she was tell, telling me how well you're going in business after after being so um, so badly affected by the earthquakes. I went to this website and I'm thinking, how, how is she making a living doing that, doing this work? This looks... This looks like um, a passion project, so they, they, amazing work, but I'm wondering how you are staying financial doing this. Obviously, you have the tandem photography as well. So this is, this is your work that you do for, for yourself. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I think, you know, I, I think the work on katherinewilliams.co.nz, that is the work that I feel like I was born to do. Um, and... And I think, you know, sure, there's potential for me to make some money over time, but I don't want that to be driven by money. I want that to be driven by by passion. Um, the I, And I see my portrait and wedding work. I love, I love what I do and I love my clients, um, but I definitely see that as an enabler for me to do other things. Um, I have... Uh, I have like this life mandate that I've written for myself. And one of the things that I have in my, in my mandate is that I always need to have something in my calendar that scares me. And, um, or, and, and when I say scares, I mean, maybe I have no idea how I'm going to make it happen, but I'm going to make it happen. And um, part of my Catherine Williams work is my being human at 100 project which is photographing centenarians around the world. And uh, 
so far I've photographed them in uh, Vietnam, uh, Cuba, Costa Rica, New Zealand, Australia, um, Okinawa in Japan, and um, and I'm currently planning a trip to the Philippines as well. Wow. I'm on your page right now, and it's amazing how different people look at the age of 100. Like some people look a lot younger, some look a lot older. Yeah, it's incredible know, difference. Don't they? It's so interesting. Um, and, yeah, man, the, the stories they have to tell just blow my mind completely. Just amazing people. I love it. Catherine, I said it earlier, you are amazing. You've been so generous. I'm going to have links to everything you've mentioned here in the show notes to accompany the interview. Uh, You you really are an inspiration, and I I hope um, that the idea of this interview totally gets across to the listener and that the idea was to to show that um, something good can come out of uh, all the stuff that's going on over here at the moment. And, uh, And it may be something different that you're facing wherever you are listening in the world, but, yeah, that there's, that there's brighter skies ahead by the sound of it if we, if we keep pushing forward. Catherine, thank you. You've been amazing. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. If anyone wants to reach out to me and ask me any questions, maybe that they don't want to publicly, then I'm absolutely open to that as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. I hope you enjoyed Catherine's story and what she had to share. I hope... What she went through gives you hope if you were affected or you have been affected by the fires. And if not, and you want to help those that have been, please go and check out Project Recapture at projectrecapture.com.au. I've got links to that and Catherine's website, social media pages, and anything else that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. And you can find them at photobizx.com forward slash three four four and just before i go a massive thanks to karen Allsop for putting in all the work behind the scenes to get this project up and running she really is a beautiful fantastic loving giving and sharing member of the photographic community not to mention one of the most talented photographers you will ever see Alrighty, that is it from me wherever you are in the world i hope You have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. How would you feel about coming on and doing a, a business interview at some stage? I would love to. All right. Well, I'm, what I'll do, I've got, I've got about three months of interviews already scheduled, so I'm going to put a note in my diary to contact you in a couple of months to schedule a time if that's okay. Perfect. That sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. All right, Thank Catherine, you. look, thanks again for being so open and generous with your time. You're very welcome. And um, and I know you're you're okay, aren't you? You're you're good. Yeah, I'm like, well, I I feel guilty, like like you at home. I mean, we've had a bit of smoke, you know. That's you know, we haven't been able to go out some days and, and do exercise. That's that's the extent of it where I am. Yeah, we've been really really lucky here. So yeah, fingers crossed it stays that way. But you feel kind of guilty that it's not so bad. Oh yeah, which it's, is strange. It's just, like that guilt is so strange. I mean. So one of the um, things that I didn't mention is like the day the day of the February earthquake, my husband was going to go um, 
was going to go to a certain area of town with the kids where the front of the building actually collapsed. Oh, and geez. just right at the time he was meant to go, he went, oh, the cars, the, the tyres are really bad on the car. Um, we need to get new tyres. And I was like, oh, don't go into town then. Don't, don't take the kids out in the car. <laughs> yeah. And so he literally made this call to, we literally made the call to not go. And then, um, and he would have been literally walking under this piece of building where, where uh, some people died. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it really is, you know, you just, it's, it can just be a split second decision, can't it? Well, you just have to but, thank your lucky stars, don't you? I mean, you've got someone's looking after you or over you, you'd have to think, wouldn't you, in those cases? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, and um, you know, the even the the reason I didn't the shoot that, that cancelled on me was a baby that ended up being flown up to Starship because it needed a heart heart surgery, and so it's really unusual circumstances. You oh, know, so they would have a similar story. They would be feeling lucky too. Yeah, I know. Mm. You know, they had this tiny little baby that, and they lived in an area of town that was terribly affected. So they were really um, grateful to be up there. Wow. I'm sure there's just as many, uh, you know, on the other side, terrible situation where someone did go in that wasn't normally going to be going into town. I know. That's oh. just horrible. And even stories of there's photographers in Christchurch who went back into their buildings and risked their lives to get hard drives. Yeah. And things were falling down around them. I'm like, why do you? Why would you put yourself in that situation where, where that's even necessary? Yeah, and even if you felt it was necessary, there's no no human alive would say, yeah, I want my photographer to risk his life or her life for my photos. You don't. You hope that they wouldn't, but I think there's some people who. Would. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. I hope not. Gee whiz. <laughs> Uh, I would be upset, but what are the what's the alternative? He goes into a or they go into a building that can collapse. No way. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want that on my conscience. No, no, it's crazy, isn't no. it? But, yeah, I mean, you know, just thinking of you guys over the air. Thank um, you. Definitely think of you guys every day over there, and and hope that it all um it all sorts itself out. Really. Yeah, we need some some rain. That would be the best thing. Please, don't you just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Kathleen, enjoy the rest of your day and um, we'll, we'll chat again, I'm sure, soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. Bye. Bye.